0: Hello and welcome back to the Guns on Pegs podcast. This is episode eight of series two. My name is George Brown and I'm the editor at Guns on Pegs. And as per usual, I'm joined by my colleague and boss, Chris Horn. Chris, how's it going? I'm good, George. I think we're all a bit better, aren't we? Uh, we're, we're recording
1: this soon after Boris has delivered some rather positive news. So fresh off the back of that, we've got Claygrounds opening up on the 29th, 29th of March. And it looks like things like the Game Fair are going to go ahead. And most importantly for us, you know a good uh shooting season
0: ahead, so very good yeah it's it's really exciting news, and I have to say I'm feeling a lot better about life in general
1: indeed indeed, and uh, just before we go on, George, you know that intro music that you just played
0: uh oh uh, uh, what hang on you you mean this
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah the 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 deep south American quail hunting music that we've got as our <laughs> intro <laughs> uh
0: I think that it's time for
1: a change. what do you think?
0: This is always it always has felt like it's maybe a bit too american for for what we're doing, but I've struggled to think what else
1: we never discussed actually it becoming our music it just became our music and it, it, <laughs> yeah. it was never like does this sound good we just it just was on the first episode
0: <laughs> well, like a lot of this podcast it, we just made it up as we went along, and it seems to have sort of stuck <laughs> <laughs> well look um I think we need we must have some people who are pretty handy with an
1: instrument uh, putting together jingles out there. Maybe they're in a band. Uh, and I, I'd love to reach out to, to to you. If that if that if that is you and you're listening to this, please email pod at guns dot com. Not only do we need a new jingle, we'd love to work with you on that. There are a couple of other things that are up my sleeve. Uh, that we will come to in future episodes that could be terribly exciting and we need to speak to people in bands. So I'll leave it at that for the moment.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I think that's suitably mysterious and very exciting. Um, (laughs) So Chris, we'd better get on with things and uh, introduce our guest this week.
1: Indeed. Uh, This is the photographer episode uh, and we are delighted to be joined by a multi-award winning field sports photographer you've got all the uh, the compliments coming here uh this is uh if you've read a shooting magazine or you've been on guns on pegs even you will have seen a photo taken by her uh her list of achievements is too long to read out and uh she's so good she's got the ability to make an ugly person look beautiful as we both know to our benefit george welcome <laughs> very very true. <laughs> huge welcome to sarah farnsworth
2: thank you guys um Oh, that's quite embarrassing, that list of compliments, which I'm really shit at taking. So I just say thanks and say hi. Move on swiftly, please.
0: Well, they're all thoroughly deserved, Sarah. And um, particularly on the last point, because you joined the Guns on Pegs team on an end of season day at the end of not the last season, but the one before Mm. that. Uh, I wasn't shooting that day and got a little bit too heavily stuck in the night before in the pub and was very, very hungover on the day in question and I really expected I was going to look like death in all the photos and somehow I didn't so my first question for you before we get on (laughs) with the rest of the podcast is was that really hard work in post-production you'd have a lot of editing to do
2: I could lie here but no I didn't even notice that you were in such a um, delicate state let's say so uh, you got away with it most definitely
1: if I remember rightly looking back at those photos you're wearing sunglasses the whole
0: time George yeah, the whole time, oh, even in the gumball. That is bar. true,
2: actually. And you have, you have the hat on as well. You have yeah, hat that's on. right. So you, yeah, fair play. yeah, that's probably why I didn't notice quite too much. But I think men can... Oh, it's going to get controversial if I say this, but it's, it's easier for men to get away with it, I think, more than ladies. So, um, oh, yeah, that's, moving that's on an... again swiftly. <laughs> it's just interesting,
1: interesting debate. <laughs>
0: But, I mean, that brings us nicely on to the first part of the podcast, which is always a favourite of ours. Uh, Sarah, what's that you're drinking?
2: Oh, right. Um, (laughs) Gulp. (laughs) (laughs) Gulp, indeed. I am drinking uh, Avalanche, which is a... Oh, what is it? Thirst-Quenching Pale Ale by Fine Ales Farm Brewery, which are based up in Argyll. And um, the reason I'm drinking this is because we, um, my husband Adam and I, go stalking up in Argyle quite regularly, or we would do on an ordinary year. And uh, it's the local brewery to where we have our stalk, And we always pop in and get some beers to take home with us, but we'd actually run out. And um, recently my dad actually sent a care package of avalanche because he knows it's my favorite um so yeah we've been dipping into the books quite sparingly just every now and then to have a nice have a nice pint of and reminisce over times yeah stalking in scotland
1: Avalanche is a cracking beer. I'm glad you've got that on the pod. That's one of those beers that I have in mind. Is, I, I've had Avalanche when I've gone uh, shooting up on the west coast of Scotland. And it's oh. definitely one of those beers. They sort of think, God, I'd love to have that for the pod. And there's a bunch of others actually from up that <laughs> way where I think, right, I need to source. Actually, what we need to do is go on a beer road trip, George, just to go pick up beers from around the country. <laughs>
2: oh, my God.
0: Well, I mean, it is getting increasingly difficult to think of uh, drinks for us to bring along. We've done 18 of these now. This is the 18th. And um, yeah, so you've had about increasing... thirty-six whiskies then. Well, yeah, I've had quite a few different whiskies. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if anybody's out there and they've got a a beer that they think we should try or a whiskey that they think we should have a go at, um, let us know. Send us an email pod at guns dot com, and we'll we'll give it a go. Have you got Have you got more than one avalanche lined up, Sarah?
2: uh today no i'm I'm just being a little bit sort of circumspect on how how often i have an avalanche i do want to keep them in reserves until we can go back up there um (laughs) and go to the um brewery shop and bring cases of the stuff back home with us so um it's just a nice treat to have every now and then but it is quite moorish so you could actually just keep knocking it back all evening to be perfectly honest so yeah dangerous stuff (laughs) it's another
0: one of the nice things about this podcast it's a real honor that you've decided to open one for us and actually we've had a few people a few (laughs) guests have opened some really you know lovely sounding things haven't we had david gower with his special gin and all that kind of stuff it's really nice that that people are viewing this as a sort of special occasion so to speak
2: yeah no it's it's
0: definitely is so chris what have you got another supermarket lager
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I feel
1: like I feel like my drinks come out like it looks like I've tried quite hard with them because each of them has got a story. You know that the one I the one I drank with Tom I was particularly pleased about pulling out of the back of the cupboard, and today's is not too far different, but it's a cracker of a story and a link to our guest. So you know, um, do you know Chapel Down, the lovely English sparkling wine producer? Yes. Um, so so they're based just down the road from me here in Kent. They're uh, down in Tentadon. Uh, they have a beer called Curious Brew. It's a really lovely beer. And that is what I'm drinking today. But what's so appropriate about this? Well, firstly, unfortunately, they are closing the Curious Brew brand because it relies heavily on, re- on sales through restaurants and things like that. They're actually closing it. So this is kind of one of the last cases knocking around a bit. I don't know when it's going, but mm-hmm. imagine soon. But But more importantly it was going to be the beer of choice at my wedding that was supposed to happen last summer at which sarah was photographer oh, so the link so sad <laughs> the link there is exactly that uh, but hopefully we'll get a chance at some day soon uh, i think i've sarah and i've been chatting sometime in 2022 <laughs>
2: <laughs> fingers and toes crossed um,
1: yeah definitely <laughs> but it's actually um so it's it was we were trying to have everything local for our wedding actually so curious brew uh, brew beer from down the road and, and all the other stuff and and tom payne and i had planned to shoot pigeons uh, down the road for <laughs> for the starter uh, we were going to have all the pigeons and all the game came off. Another shooting in Kent and stuff like that. So Kayak, Game and Flames was doing all the stuff. So it was so exciting planning it. And it was kind of just so disappointing <laughs> not to be able to do all of that. Anyway, Curious Brew. It's a lovely beer. It's disappearing.
0: So go out there and get yourself where you can. George, what are you on? So uh, mine's got a weird connection to both of your drinks in that <laughs> it's got a romantic element and it's from Scotland. My very excellent wife for Valentine's Day gave me a bottle of whiskey. Surprise, surprise! And it's <laughs> um, it's called Copper Dog, and it's a, a blended whiskey. speyside Whiskey is blended together, eight of them, and it's made at the Craigellachie Hotel, which is literally two minutes from where we fish on the Spay every summer. I didn't get to go last year, uh, as I've mentioned before. Uh, I've got it lined up for this year. Just booked the time off, in fact, this morning. So it's a lovely reminder of uh, of. The, of the fun we have up there, and uh, something helping me to not get too excited but also get excited about my fishing trip this summer.
1: I did laugh at the influx of holiday bookings through, <laughs> through, the, through our company calendar straight after Boris's announcement. I thought that was quite an encouraging sign. So, whose bird is it anyway, George? This is very much your section, but I've got to kick it off with something. Do you remember that young lad, Fred? Uh, we called him. Uh, he featured in the Pigeon Shot episode with Tom Payne. Oh,
0: he was being blackmailed, right, by his brother?
1: Indeed, indeed. He was basically being blackmailed to to go on the next duck flight after he'd lied about working. Yeah, so in, it, he was actually going shooting. And anyway, he got he got rumbled by his brother. So he, he'd been in touch and he says, he sent a nice little letter and he says, hi, George and Chris, you guys have given me some great advice for how to deal with my younger brother. I especially like the idea of giving him a good kicking which I should keep in my back pocket. I think that was Tom's <laughs> advice. It sounds a bit Tom, does not it? Yeah. Um, obviously, since my message, lockdown three has been enforced and gone. So this has meant a hold on shooting and therefore given me some breathing room in which to make a decision as to how to deal with the situation. This is why I've been a while in updating you with what I've done. And I've only just settled the dilemma. And basically what happened, we suggested that this lad gets on the front foot and takes the fight to his younger brother. Don't give him whatever you do. That was our advice. <laughs> so he said, after listening to the podcast, I decided to go digging up some dirt on my brother as suggested. And I asked his girlfriend and and our mum for any gossip. I got some good stuff, but nothing quite good enough to challenge him with. I just want to clarify his girlfriend and his mum are not
0: the same person. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, it might be from Norfolk. <laughs> I can say that because my mum is from Norfolk. <laughs> <laughs> Dangerous. Uh, anyway, um,
2: <laughs>
1: that, that was until I messaged one of his uni friends and I found out he was on course for failing his first year at uni and has had to retake a whole load of exams, unknown to the whole family. <laughs> so when we said get some dirt... <laughs> he, that is he,
2: proper in-depth snooping, that is, isn't
1: it? <laughs> He's struck gold right here. The, <laughs> the question is... Has he gone too far? Well, is this too much, actually? So before confronting my brother, my girlfriend suggested that exposing him could lead to a much more devastating argument and the situation would get worse. Unfortunately, I begrudgingly agreed with this. I think, I think he's done the right thing there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at that <exactly. laughs> point, the idea of a good kicking came to mind. <laughs> so inspired by the topic of the last podcast, we've been settled on the following to guarantee his silence. I will take him with me when I next go pigeon shooting. He won't grass me up to my dad for scurrying off work to go shooting in return. And I also gave him a kick for blackmailing me. (laughs) (laughs) So Fred has not given up his duck flight, all thanks to the advice from the pod. Uh,
0: And uh, I suppose, yes, the Guns
1: and Pags podcast, solving your dilemmas since 2020.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, we seem against all probability to have actually given out some good advice. I don't think anybody really expected that.
2: I don't think you guys do yourselves enough justice. No, I think, no, it's very valid.
0: You're too kind, Sarah. Um, right, so we've got to do this week's dilemma, Sarah, and so we need to oh, follow no. up that Pressure's success. On now. Yeah, yeah, um, we've got so,
1: <laughs> Except oh, t- Tom's advice wasn't very good, so it's pretty low base to go from. Just give him a good
0: kicking.
2: That makes me happy, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so uh, this one comes from somebody we're calling Horace. I love making up these names, by the way.
1: You're like the Met Office, you know, with each hurricane that comes along. You're (laughs) you're an H now.
0: (laughs) Right, so Horace writes, I'm an avid fan of your podcasts and listen with much amusement to the regular quandaries and questions posed by your listeners. I have one of my own, and I'd love to share it with you and receive a second opinion on the dilemma I find myself in. Myself and my girlfriend are lucky enough to live in the middle of a family syndicate, which we support throughout the year and both immensely enjoy beating on. I do try and treat myself to a few days on the other side of the line each season. And last season, I managed to nab myself a peg on a lovely 150 bird day found through guns on pegs at a reasonable price. I mean, there's brownie points there right away, aren't there? Yeah, he's Um, getting
1: better advice for for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I contacted the team captain and asked if it would be possible to bring my girlfriend along for her to experience the day. And I even went to the expense of buying her a lovely new hat and coat so that she felt part of the day. And herein lies my problem. She loved it. She was in awe of the number of birds, as we don't really see that many on our little syndicate, which was her only experience of shooting up until then. The Range Rovers, the bubbly and the food were outstanding, and we both genuinely loved our day, both in the field and together. Now, I didn't exactly tell her the truth regarding how much this day cost. And she's already asked how many days we're planning on attending next season. <laughs> oh. Based on the costs I told her, we could go most weekends, but the reality is very different. Do I come clean and tell her how much a day really costs, or shall I try to ensure that this remains a hidden secret?
2: (laughs) Oh dear. He's screwed. (laughs) Uh, Well, he's set a precedent when he's bought her the um, lovely items of clothing or hat or whatever um, on this occasion because whether she looked expect that on each shoot day that's that's a that's one whole dilemma in itself never mind the actual shooting costs
0: that is a whole Um, additional expense isn't it a new outfit for every shoot day made a very good point
2: that's not cheap (laughs) um but i do wonder if he just sort of says um and it's a nice tie-in for Guns on Pegs here, is it says, well, it was the most wonderful deal. They had a special going on, it was COVID, everything was heavily discounted for this one thing, and it was a one-time only deal. So, sadly, we can't expect that every time. And just sort of, yeah, just just fudge it as a bit of a, um, it was a real special rate that he'd managed to get through Guns on Pegs, and that that wasn't ever going to be possible or feasible In the near distant future, especially as we've had the news now, if everything keeps going the right direction this season, it might be a bit more normal. So people (laughs) may not have to discount days to get them completed. I don't know. So things will be
0: You're suggesting now
2: with the news, it might shift perspective of what costs can be. I dunno.
0: Well, that gives me an idea. The key here is to join Guns on Pegs Premium. Oh. shameless plug time you I, I, get fantastic we, discounts on shoot days <laughs> some as much as 20 percent. i think we've even seen like a 50 percent discount before wow so at Again. the very least you're going to get some some better value shooting i think that's the answer isn't it join I, premium and then you don't have to make up too big a figure
1: look i think i think we'll go a stage further george it's a cracking shameless plug and i applaud you for that uh and i think that uh Horace here deserves a free premium membership because he's in a right quandary. He
2: <laughs> Well, especially if he's gonna have to shell out on, you know, another pair of shooting socks or I don't know, a nice nice silk scarf or whatever for each occasion out in the field. He's gonna need to save as many pennies as he can.
1: Well, he's got a pair of garters coming his way, so he can pass <laughs> them on as a present to his well, to I, his other. <laughs> I was gonna say, do you think we send two pairs?
2: Oh, that's a good shout. This, I like this, that.
1: Is, this is like Christmas comes early for Horace. He's got two <laughs> pairs of garters and a premium membership. We haven't even stopped yeah, going yet.
2: Just because he confessed to something, to you guys, he's getting all the, uh, yeah. Look, he's oh, really? let,
1: Let's be honest, we're absolutely the winners out of this because I do not envy his position one bit.
0: <laughs> also, it's because we're coming towards the end of the series and we're getting a big more Pappy. That's what's going on here.
2: <laughs> Give it all away.
0: Um,
1: he... Either way he's backtracking. This is this is quite a regular thing. We've we've had many little requests over the years from uh from from other halves through the website looking to buy sort of twenty five pound, fifty pound gift vouchers uh for for Christmas to for shoot days for their other halves and things like that. Uh, oh no. We just folder them, we don't even reply. <laughs> Cause
2: oh, that- yeah. It's a,
1: it's a little bit awkward. Um, but uh I I think that your advice, Sarah, is sound. He's got to try his best to dig himself out of this situation and go forward. We will do our bit to help. And I, <laughs> I I'm even tempted to say, ring the office next time you're in a quandary. We'll we'll go that little <laughs> stage further. See if we know anything, put a string or two. Um, but uh George, have you got anything to add to that?
0: Well, I mean, I've been married for just over a year now. And uh, in that time, I have learned that generally, honesty is the best policy. And I, that's also been a running theme with some of these quandaries as well. People have been skiving off work or what have you. Um, and generally, we said, look, the best thing to do is to be honest at the start, because if you get caught out, you're in serious trouble. And I think he's nearly been caught out. And if he doesn't come clean now, you're just compounding the problem. And when you've then, then bought... Five or six days, and then she finds out how much you've been spending on shooting that's when you're in real trouble at this point it's one day one peg it could get really bad
2: yeah nip it in the bud nip it in the bud now and then he's sorted for all eternity of any shoot day he wants to book without feeling any any guilt and racking up those
0: and I company. suppose the other thing he could do is suggest that she splits the cost with him how about very, that
1: how very modern. It-
0: it
2: depends it depends if she shoots whether she wants to share the peg if she was that mentioned in the original communication? no no, it no wasn't. she was just okay that could be the sticking point i mean he could go down another route and get her shooting lessons and then that might be cheaper long run to then getting splitting the peg between them i don't know if that balances out eventually
0: yeah share a syndicate place
1: or something whatever happens we need to know how how, how this goes because there's enough people on either side of the debate here we will definitely have listeners right now thinking you know if my wife knew how much my paid my paid my or she sold my purdies for how much I tell her I paid for them <laughs> you know, that, that whole that debate <laughs> exactly so uh we need to hear back from Horace and we will do our best to help him because this could go terribly wrong for him quite quickly
0: Right, so Horace, you are going to get uh, a pair, or possibly two, I don't think we made a decision on that, uh, of Guns On Pegs <laughs> podcast, peg- shoot two premium. pairs <laughs> and a premium member- two pairs of Guns On Pegs shooting stock garters and a premium membership and personalised advice from the team if you phone the office <laughs> next time you're looking for shooting. So you've done very well out of this. So if anybody else needs any further incentives as to why you should get in touch with the podcast, pod at com. There is your answer. But actually, Chris, um, we've got more correspondence to do because in the previous episode, we asked for uh, suggestions for like a collective noun, like a name for all of the people who've been sending in their quandaries and letting us know where they're listening and all that sort of stuff. And we've had a few suggestions, haven't we?
1: We have. Yes. So Andrew has suggested songbirds. Uh, as a collective now for Guns on Pegs podcast listeners, uh, because they always lead the way and lift first I, I like his justification, not a massive fan of the of the collective now, and if I'm honest but uh...
0: Well, uh, it, my, my problem with songbirds is that it sounds a bit like um, we're going to dob people in, which is sort of not the point isn't it? If you're, a, you know, in, in criminal terminology, if you're a songbird you're a bit loose-lipped, and we've been very careful not to give people's identities away throughout.
1: This is true This is true.
0: Um, and then, so the other One that we've had is from somebody called Charlie, and I've been waiting for an email that starts like this. It says, Hi lads, long time listener, first time caller, (laughs) which is great. He said, I wanted to give uh, my suggestion for the collective noun, uh, which is Peggy's. And again, uh, it's good, but I'm not sure we're quite there yet. So if you've got an idea, oh, Sarah, have you got an idea?
2: I did, but I think it's a bit naff now listening at back to myself but um in terms <laughs> yeah. of uh go for, I don't it. Know, go for it there's of, no such thing in terms of um your sort of in terms of the shot when you when you think shot was well, something to do with the pattern so um the load anything along those lines where the individual shot um it could be representative of the members and relatively from a contained space going out into the wider world something pattern shot related a I load of know. listeners a load, li- like load. a load of <laughs> listeners. <laughs> it can be open to interpretation in many ways, but whether that's good or bad, I do not know. I think I
1: think a lo- there's there's no there's no misunderstanding
0: what a load of listeners is. Very true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, if you've got an idea uh, and it's better than any of the three that we've just uh, yes, suggested, <laughs> send us uh, send us an email pod at guns on and if we. Go with your suggestion. In the end, you two will get a pair of the very exclusive guns on pegs podcast shooting sock garters. Right, gosh, that was quite a lot of admin at the beginning of this one, wasn't it?
1: It's not really admin. It's it feels like my sort of weekly getaway. It's like life. It's this other life that we live that we chat about with our headphones on. So
0: I don't, think, I don't. I wouldn't call it admin, but yeah. On to Sarah. We need to ask you some important oh, questions. No. This seems like a fairly obvious place to start. The first question that I wanted to ask you is how it is that you got into uh, field sports photography in the first place was it like a passion for field sports first and then photography or was it photography first and and that you then decided to apply it to field sports?
2: Um, I guess it was I started following my local pack of hounds with my granddad um, from about the age of 10 onwards so it was almost very much the hunting with hounds element of uh, field sports that sort of took me first and I then borrowed my mum's camera when I was in my early teens and um, this is a film SLR camera and she was a little bit cross that she didn't get it back so um, eventually they sort of decided to swap it out as Christmas and birthday presents would be um, a new bit of camera kit, either uh, a lens or this is back in film days and I just sort of accumulated camera gear and would take it out hunting with my granddad, um, this is long pre-ban yeah, when I was about 12 or 13 and it sort of grew from there really and uh, did a Foundation Fine Art Photography course. And I should have gone on to do a full three year degree in photography, but I was very much a home bird. Didn't really like the concept of university life and wanted to sort of bring it into the real world and take photographs. It started off, it was hunting. That was my main passion to start with. And then it just expanded from there to shoot days and um, sort of seeing the gamekeeping side of life, um, and then onto deer stalking and it's just sort of it's just snowballed really to the wider world of everything connected with field sports community from there.
1: I must add at this point, if you haven't seen any of Sarah's stuff, either go and follow her on Instagram or go and have a look at her website to see the vast range of photography, because that's what's most awesome. I think it's it's very few people on my personal account. I try and sort of separate a bit of shooting sometimes. I follow obviously like some good mates and some important stuff, but very few things that I follow that I just you know spend a lot of time looking at. And your photos always pop up there because they get such massive t- amount of attention from everyone because they're awesome. Um but do awesome. have good do Thank go you and have Bruce. a look. Thank um, you. <clears throat> so you ba- so you basically skip uni because you're already too good at it. That's what I've just understood from <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh i don't that's embarrassing that no, wasn't quite <laughs> like that but yeah. so
1: you, but you mentioned kit and and it's something that's um something that's come i i kind of i think there's some big crossover here on the sort of photography side to the shooting side because shooting people spend half their life talking about kit and all the various different things that you can do and especially when it comes to cartridges i mean you can get you can get bogged down in a conversation there very quickly so for those that know what they're talking about, and I imagine we're going to have a few hardcore enthusiasts who really understand photography, uh, and mm-hmm. I really don't. i The best I get is a filter on Instagram. What kit do you use? <laughs> <laughs> and can you sort of give that to us in, in terms? Just talk us through that sort of stuff. Because I imagine there's quite a few that think, oh, I'd love to take better photos out in the field. Where do they start as well? And how does that relate to what you use?
2: I started um I first went obviously it's not an option now but I went to a show at the NEC a camera show and held both the Canon and Nikon top of the range um early days of the digital SLR back then and just handled them both and ergonomically the Nikon kit for starters just felt right in my hands and I knew yeah that was the gear that I wanted to make use of and it's grown throughout the years built up and up to having better and better kit um and I will admit the stuff I use now is very much investment pieces in terms of cameras I think it's been superseded the model I've got now so it's the Nikon D5 and yeah very much an investment camera body um and there's a whole heap of lenses that go with it um and that's that's yeah the 70 to 200 uh lens which is a really fast sports lens and 24 to 70 they're the main kit and a 35 mil um f1.4 lens i'm looking at chris's face and it's kind of <laughs> looking a bit blank there <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's,
1: just, it's like some of my mates some of my mates when i start talking about out there. 32 <laughs> gram five fiber wads they just glaze over <laughs> uh,
2: i thought i will just whip through them quickly um There are any photography enthusiasts because that's that's what I use. So Nikon D5, those are my main lenses. And I also have the Nikon um, Z6 mirrorless camera, which is meh, it's okay. It's not quite there yet. I think mirrorless is definitely improving massively and it's going to become a bigger part of um, professional photography. Um, I'm sure that that is the way it's going.
1: What's mirrorless?
2: Right, confession time. I'm not a technical photographer at all. I was very much a... um, I did, although I did learn the technical aspects when learning, very much sort of trial and error with all my kit, and I've got to using it the way I do, and it's probably very different to a lot of other professional photographers. But um, with a uh, DSLR, so you have a mirror that locks up and locks down for when you take a photograph, and you can, if you opened up the you know, workings of the camera and you press the shutter, you could see the the mirror lock up and lock back, um, or flick up and flick down, I should say. You can lock the mirror open but with mirrorless it's just digital only um and i'm sure there'll be people furiously correcting me now on how the actual terminology but it's a very different process there's no actual physical shutter as such um so you could have a completely silent shutter which has its benefits and that's the reason i've got one is for deer stalking and if you're doing something alongside somebody filming and you need to get stills of whatever's being filmed it's very helpful to do that but the quality of the mirrorless just it's not quite there yet. The dynamic range of the highlights and shadows that it can sort of contain in an image just don't quite meet up to my D5. Or maybe I just haven't discovered how to produce that yet.
1: This is proper advice. And this podcast occasionally gives out dangerous advice to people. It's actually quite good. Uh, and what you've given if you're if you're interested in cameras you've actually just given real advice that's really cool i like that Uh, but it (laughs) sounds it sounds like what you're talking about is super pricey uh
2: yes the d5 the camera body alone i mean i say it's been superseded i dread to think what the d6 is costing but the d5 brand new is 5200 i think um and the lens so like a
0: sort of mid-range shotgun
2: (laughs) yeah yeah, it's basically, yeah, so.
1: we've, we've moved on from the Silver Pigeon and we're on to sort of customising our <laughs> engraving by this point.
2: Uh, yeah, it's, it's not, it's cheap. Like I said, it's an investment. And um, the lenses you'd be looking at between 1500 and two and a half grand. That's not to say you have to have that kit to take good shots because mm. I see a lot of photographers that are um, hobbyists that just have a basic end um, model, camera model, but they still take stunning pictures. So I think if you know your way around the camera and you've done some tutorials and you've got a really good eye for it as a starting point that makes that makes a big difference um and i I would definitely advise yes if you if you can only afford one or two things that are on the expensive end go for good high quality lenses that would be the best advice the camera body you can get away with providing the resolutions there but the lenses if you can really get good glass that's definitely yeah key point
1: Just a question on that, because if I see one of your photos and let's say I just see the photo with no credit, nothing, not posted by you, I know it's one of yours. Is that purely because of that particular lens that you've chosen or is it something that you put in front of the lens or is it something to do with post-editing?
2: Probably probably the editing because that's where you can really um, define and put your stamp on what the images turn out like because so many people shoot with a 70 to 200 mil lens f 2.8 that is kind of a standard go-to a lot of sporting and field sporting photographers would use that but it's then how you compose the picture how yeah I think editing is probably the the most obvious way that you can put a stamp on it is your work and if you sort of scroll through instagram on someone's grid and see all the pictures it would look maybe different color tones and things but generally consistent unless you're experimenting yeah. with new styles of editing but yeah that's that's a nice thing to hear that it's that you know it's one of mine because that means that hopefully i have a brand i have a style and that's something people want and that's yeah consistency is quite key in that
0: absolutely uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's, I mean, that's really. I mean, I have to confess that I do not know. I hardly know one end of a camera from the other, as my <laughs> wife is constantly telling me when I'm instructed to take photos of the twins or whatever. Um, so, but because of Instagram, anybody yeah. out there with an iPhone thinks they're pretty good and thinks they want, thinks they can be a, take decent pictures. Uh-huh. Um, but we know from some of the some of the photos that we see through Guns on Pegs that there's a lot of bad photos out there as well. So for people who are out on a shoot day and they've got their phone in their pocket, they haven't got any kit, but they've got yeah. a, a relatively decent smartphone, what are the key tips for taking some decent, and you know, not kind of publication quality, just, you know, yeah. To improve the photos that they take, I suppose, is what I'm driving at.
2: OK, so if you've just got your iPhone, then I would say um, and I'll, this is as an iPhone user. I wouldn't know for Android. I'm really sorry about that, guys. Um, but George, as, is a,
1: George is a keen <laughs> Android user. It's a big debate in the office.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you've got an iPhone, I think it's the, the X or the 10 onwards has got might be earlier models, but certainly the newer ones, which most people would have, has portrait mode. And that is a, a huge help for taking photographs because you can set it in portrait mode. You can play around with the depth of field in, in camera, in phone as such. Um, and then there's more scope for editing it after you've taken the photograph, which is which is fantastic. The only thing that portrait mode doesn't cope well with is barrels of guns because they they generally, obviously, they stick out. So portrait mode can't necessarily work out where. The gun ends and the landscape in the background begins. So that's something that is, uh, yeah, portrait mode would be the way I'd shoot if you can and get to grips with your phone the same way that I get to grips with my camera. So really know every setting, delve into the deepest, darkest points of your ca- of your phone, of where the camera settings are and work out what suits you best. And then if you can get a... Um, Uh, an editing app for your phone I mean I use Lightroom mobile which then is not synced but it's I have the same settings saved on my phone as or very similar to how I produce my images on Lightroom desktop um, for my for my uh, photos taken with the camera so if you can do a little bit of tinkering on there that would be on your phone. That's an app that I would definitely make use of.
0: That's really interesting. Can I on, on the settings thing? You you refer yeah. to portrait mode. Yeah. I'm guessing you don't mean selfie camera. There is that. No. Is this is this me showing my ignorance <laughs> of iPhones?
1: George, go just and get a
0: decent phone, and you tiny know all about bit. it. Yeah. <laughs> I I said, I don't know anything about this. (laughs) I (laughs) I
2: couldn't tell you what, I don't know what Samsung or Sony, uh, I don't even know who's making, who else is making phones these days. Um, So I'm trying to think who else, but yeah, I only know iPhone. So portrait mode is a different mode where you can, as you scroll along the the various settings, so you can shoot in panoramic mode, you can do slow motion, time-lapse, and then um, portrait is one of the options there. And then when you shoot in portrait, it'll show you the image. Um, It somehow magically blurs out the background so that you can see it as you would taken Mm -hmm. with a camera. And it does give that depth of field and you can actually alter the depth of field afterwards, editing within portrait, you know, when you view the photo on your phone. So,
0: Good tips. Very good tips. So um, this is a sort of bit of a follow up question, again, based on my complete inability with a camera of any description. <laughs> my tactic when I'm trying to take photos is to just take loads and hope that one <laughs> of them's OK. So how much of getting the perfect shot comes down to, to luck? How much of it is being in the right place at the right time? How much of it's planning and skill and a sort of understanding of what's going on uh, on a shoot day?
2: Oh, that's a really good question. And what I don't know the full answer to that. Okay. um, If you can get yourself in the right place in the right time, that's obviously a big deal. So if you're doing, photographing a shoot day, for example, and you want to know on a specific drive where is going to be the best birds, where the flushing point is, anything along those lines, speak very nicely to the keeper or the host or the shoot captain for the day. That is a big part of it. And then once you know this, inform yourself with as much knowledge of that place, of those people, of everything you can beforehand. And that will help massively to get you in the right place at the right time. How you then deal with that yourself with a camera or phone in hand is up to you and how creative your mind is, I guess. And that's just personal preference at the end of the day, how you want to do that. But it does help to know, obviously, all those various points of flushing points so you can say right okay normally you put yourself between peg four and peg five but maybe not for this drive maybe beginning of the drive pegs one to three are going to be great to start with and then after that they will the birds will flush further down the line and you can move with them as you go obviously very discreetly very much not interrupting very much not interrupting the shooting in progress. and Just like, keeping just it like your as dogs calm. now. Oh, they're so annoying, <laughs> aren't they, in the background? That's highly embarrassing. <laughs> so my husband, Adam, for anyone that doesn't know, my husband, Adam, has wrangled one of the three dogs that we now have um and is yeah he just wanted to be part of the show even though he's uh disappeared out of the room now S- send, send us a photo of him we'll stick him on social media then we know what we're talking uh, about t- <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um i <clears throat> you i what you were just saying is absolutely spot on and it, it reminded me about um there's another little tip uh, that, that um, obviously getting your place, in the, getting yourself in the right place at the right time is absolutely key, and being well, knowing where the birds are going to come from and knowing how the drive is going to develop is crucial <laughs> to taking yeah. photos. But if you're if you're hello dogs, if you're out <laughs> yeah. on a if you're out on a on a shoot day, and let's say you're not shooting, uh, so um, and you've got sort of friends family with you taking photos. One little thing I've noticed is a great little tip for iPhone users out there: make sure you're taking them on live mode. Because then if you're taking movie, it takes it takes almost a small video clip with each photo, you can then select that bit of the shot that was the perfect with the bird flying in the sky or the shot going off out of the end of the barrel. That's the one that everyone likes to get, isn't it? Uh, and the live mode ena- enables you to just adjust it and do that. So anyway, I didn't think I'd be able to, anything to contribute towards photography, but that's my tip.
0: <laughs> Actually, on that day uh, that we mentioned at the very, the very beginning when I was horribly hungover, I remember you saying <laughs> to me after the first drive, I said, how did it go? Did you get some good shots? And you said to me, yeah, I got the Holy Grail or something like that, <laughs> which is the gun, the shot string and the bird in the same frame. Yeah, I remember And that. that's just, is that just a, a luck of the draw? Is it timing or...
2: Well, oh, it's a difficult one because it's, it's knowing knowing the gun in front of you some of the time, knowing at what point they often like to shoot the bird, working out where birds are going to be and then, yeah, where they're going to take the shot. But it does then vary. I'm, my cameras can shoot sort of 11 frames a second, not that they do, but it is quite a rattle of shots um, So and generally when people are in the moment, nobody hears any of that in the background. And you hope that one in that sequence is the money shot that you can get, where you can see the full shot string. And then if you can get the sequence, you can get the bird folding nicely. Um, And it, um, and it respectful in that respect as well is, is a big thing.
0: So you have to have a a pretty good sense of field craft as well. You know, one of the things that you learn when you're learning to shoot is, you know, think about what is your, the phrase I don't particularly like it, it is your kill window. Where is it that you want to shoot the birds? And you're having to do the same thought processes, but almost on behalf of somebody else. Where is this person want to shoot the birds rather than, you know, I can decide, but you have to effectively guess where I want to shoot the bird. If you're taking pictures, that's a, a real skill, a real skill. So Sarah, I must ask you about travel
1: because um, obviously you're, you're in a, in a super lucky position where, you get to visit some of the most amazing shoots in the country. Uh, You get to travel all over the shop. Uh, And I know that this time last year, you were in the sun in Namibia, photographing the Purdy models for their latest collection. Uh, Are there any places that really stand out? And I suppose how good was that situation in Namibia compared to now? Oh,
2: oh, that was such a dream. It really was. Uh, Namibia was just fantastic. And, yeah, it was a year ago, just over a year ago that we flew back and we had no idea then that it was going to be the last international <coughs> travel that I did. George, might I say, that is a very good sound of that whiskey bottle. <laughs> I
0: <laughs> thought I'd a muted very my...
2: pleasing audio. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I thought I'd muted my microphone, but I just hit the <laughs> wave button instead.
2: <laughs> I liked it. Um, uh, sorry. Um, and, yeah, we were very lucky to get that trip to Namibia. We had... You know, it was beautifully warm sunshine, fantastic safari. Um, it was at a place uh, that was at Robin Hurt safaris hosted at his farm uh, in Namibia. And we got to see some fantastic wildlife. We didn't get to go hunting or anything, but we were able to see a lot of the big game that was around there um, whilst we were taking photos and sort of occasionally get them just in the background before they sort of disappeared off into the bush uh, too much.
1: So, um, and tell me about some of the other places you've done, because obviously, I mean, for those who follow you on Instagram, they'll know a few, but uh, there's there's a couple of other absolute highlights you've had in the last couple of years. I
2: suppose, yeah, I think you're probably going down the route of Mongolia is what you might be hinting at, yeah, um, <laughs> which, <laughs> which was the, I photographed the Mongol Derby in 2019, which is um, a horse race that is a 1,000 kilometres long, multi-horse race with about, how many riders were there? I think 40 riders, 40 competitors, and yeah, they have to ride across the open steppe for about 10 days, the race sort of extended, but we were out there for nearly three weeks and it's, it's a magical country. The people, the families and herders um, in Mongolia, just, just wonderful. And obviously the horses, yeah, they are the backbone of that country. Everything is, is horse related. They can ride before they can walk the Mongolians and the landscapes are just stunning.
0: Unbelievable. It does sound amazing. Um, So both of those places sound like pretty challenging places to take photographs, particularly I know that cameras don't get on well with dust, uh, yeah. which I imagine there was a fair amount of in Namibia, if not in Mongolia. Um, <laughs> So what are the most challenging assignments that you've been on, both in terms of for the equipment and in terms of like getting the shots that you need?
2: Well, I think... Probably those two would have been quite high up on the list, but I had expectations that Mongolia was going to be worse on the dust, I think. That was, it was, I say bad, it was, you just have to keep, take good care of your kit, but actually the UK is probably the worst. I don't it sounds really bad to admit, but it's because of the amount of wet and rain and sometimes really crappy conditions, especially in the shooting season, because, you know, how many days kit, probably... You can count on one hand how many shoot days in a season are dry and sunny and the rest is quite damp, quite rainy, and wet kit is not great. The The main issue is condensation. So if you're driving between drives in your own vehicles, then uh, the main issue is yeah, condensation within the cameras. So it goes from being out in a, the cold, damp environment to the warm. And then, of course, everything steams up. And then you're waiting for it to to sort of clear by the time you get back out for the next drive or like me and which upsets, not upsets Adam, but yeah, (laughs) it's not that popular. (laughs) Having the windows open the whole time, even if it's raining so that the cool air can circulate around the kit and make sure nothing gets too um too much fogged up in between drives so yeah so with the UK it does um I think I'd rather have a bit of dust than I would rain to be quite honest so.
1: <laughs> it's a difficult one though complaining about sort of being wet on a grouse moor in October isn't it because it's because <gasps> it's a lot better than just being anywhere else even right, then
2: true yeah I suppose what, yeah what's considered a bad day for me in that respect people would be sort of pinching themselves and to be have that chance
0: Going back to the, um, to, to the to the challenge of getting a shot, uh, obviously there's a, a conflict between good shooting weather and uh-huh. good photography <laughs> weather. So that must be one of the toughest things, is that what the guns want is a sort of greyish day yeah. and what you want is nice bright sunshine. Yeah, um,
2: gamekeeper's nightmare.
0: Nice dramatic shadows, all that kind of thing. So that must be one of the biggest challenges is it not
2: it probably is yeah because a gamekeeper will be will be cursing that bright sun especially if it's you know where the line of guns are having to look towards that is an issue but for me light is everything a bit of sunlight makes everything just makes everything pop i that's not to say i don't like the the grayer days the darker days because if you get some really cool dramatic light um it's when it flat white sky that's my least favorite because the birds don't show up I'd rather have a rainstorm that blows through and you get amazing clouds and dramatic skies afterwards than something that's flat white and gray all day that's just a little bit the, the guns on pegs day was I don't think it rained but it was quite sort of it blew through weather systems mm-hmm. um, and there was great light so sometimes there's a bit of cloud sometimes with of sun and that's ideal for me a real mix of conditions is best
1: so just thinking about the shoots in their own right for a second you've obviously been over a lot of places just talk to me about shoots your knowledge of shoots you're coming at it from a totally different position to someone standing on the peck tell me tell me tell me about your favorites i really want to really want to know where you'd go to
2: well this is coming from a very much an aesthetics perspective as opposed to actual Sporting, but they they still produce fantastic shooting so it's very much valid and I'll go around the UK I think so I've had a little think about this in the run-up to to this day so in England um I would go down to the west country down to any of the Leighton shoots I keep um umming and ah ahhing Chalicum is just fantastic it's beautiful because of the reservoir that they have there Coombe Sydenham is lovely because it's more forested woodland Mm -hmm. and it's just That's that's gorgeous. Um, And if you can hear any whining in the background, it is a spaniel and she just wants to be part of the show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exmoor is absolutely beautiful. I have to agree with you on what you're saying there in terms of being out somewhere. Just so lovely. I love shooting yeah. down that part of the world.
2: And it's like stepping back in time for Exmoor as well. For me, it's I, I used to go there a lot of stag hunting in the past. So it's just it's a really special place. um Yeah, I just love it. Especially I never used to see the um that part of Exmoor from a shooting perspective. It was always with hounds. So to see it from both sides now, it's so much more of a rounded view on how important hunting and shooting is that part of the world it's vital yeah. for the amount of people and the crossover between the two it's um yeah it's a big part of of exmoor really
1: so where are you off to in wales
2: <laughs> wales i would have to go to a place that you have been chris and i photographed you which is uh and i'll never pronounce it right so apologies it's like ready Garth, Spot uh, on. up in um <laughs> <laughs> i've not of a gloss over that uh, up in north wales this scenery there is just spectacular the mountains and the birds are stunning and yeah is
0: that where you took that incredible picture of Chris as the reaction shot um I think Chris I mean I'm gonna you know I'm gonna embarrass you now Chris because it I mean (laughs) I can only assume from the expression on your face that that was a good like 100 yards up um (laughs) because both you and the loader look absolutely astonished so either you were shooting terribly all day and you finally got one (laughs) or it was just an absolute screamer is that is that where that picture was taken
1: (laughs) so well i'll I'll answer for Sarah. yeah it absolutely was and and it was about the only bird i hit on the drive so i was no
2: don't be daft
1: (laughs) uh it was uh I mean, it's a, it's a, if you want, if you want the wheels to come off on a shoot, go to Let Wedding Arth. it will talk, it will tell you to pieces in seconds. Uh, and especially if you, well, actually, you know, that day I was shooting, I was shooting a pair of over and unders with, uh, with all the right kit and all the rest of it. To, but to be honest, to be, I was, yeah, I was all over the shop and I hit one bird <laughs> and, and uh, this particular bird and uh, the photo it didn't actually, didn't it win an award or something ridiculous?
2: Yes, it did. Um, sorry, that's me being. It's an amazing. get by you. The of Field Sports Photographer of the Year. The overall winning shot was was that picture because um, it's you know it's just what everyone wants to get from their day shooting, and that to me summed it up. Was not just your expression turning back and the fact that you you can you know you both ignored the camera. You didn't know it was there. Effectively, you felt like a real fly on the wall both you and the loader were turning up a gog looking up to this bird stratospheric and it it really was the bird of the day and you set the precedent on the first drive of that day basically so yeah
1: <laughs> first and last time <laughs> hey but it was it, you're, you're absolutely right about encapsulating and this is why I love you know having a photographer out uh just to capture those images because you just you then you know you remember them forever and that you're, you're absolutely right about that photo um I was so shocked obviously to 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 pull down a bird on a shoot like that uh and both the loader and i uh we were we were just having a right little giggle about it and you can see how long it took to, you know the, we were the bird was still up in the air and the cartridges were yeah. st- were now going into the gun we were still looking up yeah. at sort of at least yeah, 45 it degrees it's just, <laughs> it just unreal but yeah really awesome shoot i mean you're doing well to even spot them through your camera there i mean it little yeah. specks in the sky really aren't they but
2: that is one thing that's actually quite a challenge with that shoot is to actually see it in the photographs, to see see the gun taking the shot in the corner of the image and then see what bird they're shooting at and where yeah. they are so high.
0: Right, so that's England and Wales ticked off, so we've got Scotland left.
2: <laughs> Scotland. Oh, Scotland is, well, as most people know, because if they've seen my Instagram, they know how much I bang on about going up to Scotland and uh, this past year we've been very lucky to be introduced to a place called Tolkien Estate which is in Speyside and that was initially to do one of the recent Purdy photo shoots and then we were lucky to go back there in November and spent a week documenting various elements of the whole estate so we photographed a walked up shoot day and a driven day there and just the scenery there it's it's that I don't know whether it's called Old Scotland or what. It's it's not like the wild west coast of Scotland that's rugged and all sure. rocky. It's it's more native forests, silver birches, pine trees, heather, more open moorland, and then you've got the spey running through it. It's kind of got a bit of everything, really, as a wild estate. Um, and the walked-up day that we photographed, A, the light was stunning, which is obviously a big bonus, but it was just uh, it was a magic day loved it and i would yeah be back there in heartbeat we were due to be there in january to photograph uh some w- snowy winter shoot days and obviously lockdown put paid to all of that so we should have um we should have seen it at its wintry finest but there's always there's always next season
1: but look hey you've given some great advice to people because actually being out the scenery everything else is such a crucial part of a day shooting it's just enjoying being out there so shallicum
0: Coombe-Sydenham, Let Weddigarth yeah. Tolkien, look them up. Yeah. Uh, they're,
1: they're awesome places, uh, knowing some of those. Yeah, and well. and
0: knowing what I know about the Spey, I can tell you that Tolkien is a fantastic salmon beat as well. Um, um, so if you ever get the chance to fish that, I mean, I haven't had the chance either, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's dead men's shoes there. But uh, <laughs> it's, um, yeah... Uh, it's an amazing part of the world that and I can I say I can't wait to get back up there. So, Sarah, the the way we like to round these podcasts off is with Desert Island shooting. But I realize that we haven't actually asked you yet. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you we we've obviously you obviously have a very good understanding of shooting in general and, and how a shoot day works and, and what you need to look out for. But do you actually shoot yourself? Like, you mentioned doing some stalking, but but do you do a bit of game shooting as well?
2: Uh... I am fairly rubbish with a shotgun. I will, I will admit that. Um, I'm much happier with a rifle in my hands. That is definitely where I feel more confident. Um, Have so you been taking I...
1: lessons off Tom Payne? Is that why?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. how could I even answer that without upsetting Tom? It's uh... <laughs> okay. You can upset
0: Tom.
2: <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> I think because I'm because I'm not. Uh, proficient with a shotgun Uh, uh, not yet anyway there are things in the pipeline which means I shall hopefully be far better with a shotgun uh, in the coming months Um, but I, I really enjoy seeing other people's days photographing it for them knowing that I couldn't ever shoot or hope in hell to hit the birds that they're shooting doing it so well yeah I get as much enjoyment it's a real thrill to see other people shoot and photograph that and capture that moment knowing that that's documented for them in perpetuity basically but uh um back to the original question because i'm stalling now um in terms of my desert island my dream bucket list uh shooting i'd quite like to go again this is with the rifle i'd like to go on a caribou hunt in the wilderness in alaska that would be pretty cool um i've really enjoyed that and i probably that's this is cheating on the the desert only but I'd probably bring Adam along my husband to try and take photos of my head for me
0: <laughs> oh I think that's okay I don't think I don't think the rule is that you're not allowed to bring anybody with you okay. I think that the, the people you take with you is as much a part of it as the destination don't you, think, you just Chris? don't tell them how much it costs
2: either that or if i became more proficient um with a shotgun i think walked up shooting um in the world of scotland walked up grouse woodcock snipe real wild rough walked up shooting that would be the dream for me um anywhere up in yeah north of scotland or anywhere in scotland to be quite honest doesn't have to be um but that would be another another dream but two very different yeah. I think stick I with cat it,
1: your caribou hunt. I I I'm absolutely with you on that. I remember trying to chase a caribou on some skis in northern Canada once, but
0: anyway, another oh. story for another time. Oh, God.
2: <laughs> yeah, that another time. That <laughs> the, Hang on, wait a place. minute. Wait a
0: minute. We're not glossing over that. Why were you were you <laughs> intending to shoot the caribou or you just decided to <laughs> no, see if <laughs> you could keep up? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, the latter. The latter I was without gun. Uh we we oh. We were doing a bit of cross-country skiing. We got completely lost, and then we saw this caribou. We thought, "Oh, let's try and get close to that." And it was, uh, I was out in the middle of nowhere. We were we had this awesome little trip. Actually, we were we were we had huskies on sleds at the start of it, uh, and we went through just o- over some frozen lakes. It was unbelievable. We had talked to them in French. We were in French Canada, so it was uh, a gauche, a droite, and I literally <laughs> had to talk to the dogs in French. they were French dogs. Wow. Uh, <laughs> um, but the whole experience was just absolutely mega. So uh, I haven't obviously been out there with a the rifle but uh, I can um, tell you that just uh, unbelievable oh, seriously cool and then we made an igloo at night uh, it was, oh, it was absolutely bitter and you had to dig the lower part so that the cold air dropped into that and then you slept on the higher part and the rest of it but uh, yeah oh, don't tell me you Fantastic. can see
2: the northern lights as well don't tell me that was part of it because that's like we the didn't. full dream isn't it yeah
1: then? we didn't but uh, I, yeah I imagine you can yeah awesome
0: well, I mean I don't know if if any of our listeners are going to be able to fix Sarah up with a caribou <laughs> hunt, but there must be somebody out there who's who can take Sarah out on a walked up grouse day. And if uh, you are if you would like to do that. George, you're stopping. I
1: think the caribou hunt is very possible. We've had a, we've, <laughs> we've had correspondence from from the US. We had our chap on the other episode who was t- talking about the roughed grouse when he was on his walks in the snow and he said it's a picture. Look, honestly, there's yeah, someone an out there who can fix it,
2: wasn't it. Yeah. Oh yes, please. I'd be well up for that, definitely. Well,
0: anyway, <laughs> if, if you if you would like to take Sarah out on a caribou hunt or if you'd like to take a great uh, out on a walked up grouse day, drop us an email, <laughs> pod at gunsonpeg.com, and we'll send you some garters. Uh, that
2: sounds like a fair deal. That's a
0: fair swap, yeah. I mean, we've been giving away a lot this this, this episode.
1: I
2: think mean,
0: <laughs> well, well, I'm have... on my fourth whiskey. I'm I'm feeling good. <laughs> I'm feeling generous.
2: Give it all away. <laughs>
1: Oh, very good. Well, Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to have you with us. Really, really lovely to chat. And uh, and thank you for everything you're doing. And thank you, especially, obviously, during lockdown, all these things, all the content you put on social media, inspiring us into our next days. I think that's where oh, people like you, you really come to the fore. So oh,
2: that's it's very really good. nice to
0: hear. Yeah, well, it's been absolutely lovely having you on the podcast, Sarah. So before we go, as per usual, there's one final reminder that you can get your hands on a pair of the very exclusive Guns on Pegs podcast shooting sock garters by sending us your shooting dilemmas for us to resolve uh, letting us know where you've been listening sending us your suggestions for collective nouns I'm going to forget something but you've listened to the episode you know what the thing is Uh, (laughs) send us an email pod at gunsonpegs.com until next time thanks very much for listening and goodbye enjoy that end